online. So, good evening. Hope everybody's doing well today on this fabulous and wonderful and beautiful Sunday. Couldn't ask for a better day today, and I uh, hope everybody has fared well, and uh, yeah, I hope everybody's able to get some uh, time outside during this beautiful weather, and I hope that, uh, or if you didn't do that, you'll be able to get you a nice little uh, nap in, but either way, I hope that you've uh, enjoyed uh, this Sunday, and uh, I told Brandy, so might as well enjoy it now, we don't know uh, as to when, uh, uh, it's like we can have one week of really nice weather, and the next week it's uh, uh, we're having uh, freeze warnings. So I don't know. So so might as well enjoy it while you can. And uh, uh, but uh, we's out riding around today, and I uh, was watching people uh, going in and out of stores, and I I noticed there's about 50-50 those who are wearing masks and those who wasn't who wasn't. And I put a thing on uh, Facebook earlier. And, and I said, uh, do you wear a mask? Why or why not? And it had some good responses, and I appreciate everybody. I was, I was worried when I put that on there. I thought, oh, I hope people don't don't get uh, get get smart with each other. But everybody was uh, was was civil and was was good uh, towards one another, despite differing viewpoints. And and uh, they made some good points that uh, the the ineffectiveness of uh, uh, of masks uh, and uh, so. You know, more worry in bigger cities where people are crammed together than than in rural areas such as our own, and so uh, uh, some some good points were made. Some gave me some good food for thought. Or just so many contrasting views out there that it's hard to uh, uh, keep up with what's what, you know, and uh, what what to be aware of, what is it to be aware of. And there, I know there's a lot of people, friends of mine, who are on. Uh, um, in the medical field, and they were really shine some light on on the situation. So basically, what I what I took from today's question was, um, you know, if you're a compromised uh, immune system, be careful, wash your hands. Otherwise, um, yeah, don't worry about it. But about what I got from what I was uh, what I was seeing there. Um, let me see here. I thought I saw some people offer up some prayer concerns here. Let me see here. Oh, I didn't want to see here. Uh, yeah, okay, I'll get those in just one second. If you do have any prayer concerns, be sure and uh, put those, post those on here, and uh, we will uh, address those here momentarily. But if you want to look in your Bibles to John 14, verse 27, John 14, 27, give you just a minute to uh, turn there. Uh, while you're turning there, looking for that passage, if you notice, I'm sitting down. I don't normally like to do that uh, when I'm when I'm speaking. It just uh, to me, it's just uh, I don't know. I just feel like I get more inter I don't know more energetic. It's more uh, I don't know whatever you call it. But anyway, I, I don't like to sit down when I speak. But I'm having some technical difficulties, and the uh, camera, uh, the external camera I was using, uh, poo pooed out on me <laughs> today. And uh, the only way, if it had not been for the internal camera on the laptop. The uh, dad's message this morning would not have went out, and so that, uh, uh, so praise God, at least I had that anyway. But uh, uh, Brandy looked on the line; she called around, and apparently, because everybody's stuck at home uh, and having to work from home, to find a webcam right now, at least locally, is zilch. Uh, she she went everywhere, couldn't find one, so I'm gonna have to try to order one online so hopefully I mean, we'll get to see it before Wednesday and uh, have better quality uh, audio and video 
uh, for you, but until then, just uh, bear with us, so I apologize for that. But uh, John 14, 27 says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And as me old pappy always says, bless this reading and the hearing of it to our hearts. All righty, now let's, uh, let's look at these prayer requests that were coming across here. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Sharon Boyd said, pray for a Perry family, loss of grandmother, unspoken. Uh, Randy Jones, please keep me in your prayers. Uh, Susan Denise, uh, I need some good words. I was, in, I was just part of a meeting that was supposed to be for prison reform. They just hate field racism. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, let's see here. Well, I could have swore I saw. Let me look over here on this one here. So, yes, okay. Verda Campbell says, please pray for Richard. Oh, it went up on here. Hold on. Uh, Richard's dad and Pauline, my sister, also for me. I have to have blood effusion on Tuesday. Thanks. Yes, ma'am, Miss Verda, we will do that. Let me double check down through here. Let's see if there's any that I have missed. Nope, I don't see any more. All right. So, be uh, continue to pray for Murph. Uh, and uh, continue healing upon him, our sister in Christ, Kim Penix, uh, Jenner Troy Hood, Linda Feathers, uh, David Feathers. Uh, please continue to pray, pray for uh, the Trevor family, Amanda Van Over, and um, uh, goodness, I try to think. Um, I know, oh, uh, Wendy Lee, uh, be praying for her as well. And also uh, Russell and Darlene Johnson. Uh, Darlene uh, sadly. Uh, I lost her brother yesterday, so uh, definitely keeping her and her family uh, in your prayers. I know it'd be be much appreciated. So let's go ahead and go for the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, Lord, we just thank you, love you, and praise you. Lord, thank you so much for this wonderful and beautiful day that you blessed us with. Lord, thank you for your grace and your mercy. Lord, I just want to lift up each and every one of these prayer requests and prayer concerns. And uh, Lord, I just pray that um, uh, you'll bring healing upon Kim Penix and that. Uh, We'll just intervene in a mighty way. Uh, Lord, I pray you be with Ginger and Troy Hood, and uh, pray you be with Linda Feathers. Pray you be with Wendy Lee, and that you will uh, bring healing upon her. Lord, please be with Darlene Johnson. I know that uh, she's trying to deal with this terrible loss of her brother, Lord, and I pray that you will give her peace and strength, and uh, along with her mother and family, Lord Jesus, uh, during this very difficult time. Lord, we just pray that you'll rain peace down upon uh, this family. And Lord, I pray that you be with Amanda Vanover and the Trivet family. And Lord, just, uh, give them peace and strength. And, uh, Lord, I just want to lift up uh, my dad and my mom, my sister and her family. I pray that be with my uh, father-in-law mother-in-law. And I pray that be with my wife and kids and uh, both of my grandmothers. So Lord, you will uh, watch over them, keep them safe. And Lord, uh, just be with us this evening. And Lord, just, uh, just pray that you be with all the unspoken concerns. You know the hearts and minds. And pray that you be with the Perry family as they're dealing with loss as well. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And rise I say an amen. It dawned on me. I forgot to mention um, um, Ron Thompson. Uh, Thelma had to have um, gallbladder surgery. And had to, he messaged and said that it went well. And they went home. And everything seemed to go well. Well, she uh, had a uh, temperature. And they, she had to go back in the hospital. Message yesterday said, "Oh, we're going home." Then he messaged again said, "Whether we're keeping one more night, so bless their hearts, they they have been through it." So definitely, please keep uh, Ron and Thelma in your prayers. And uh, I meant to, my dad asked me this morning a prayer request, and I meant to to tell him that, and I forgot. And Darren Scherf, he uh, he uh, uh, was uh, 
work the guard shack there at Danny Boone High School. It's uh, not looking uh, real good for him and uh, sad. I've, I've known Darren for many years and uh, I really hate it for him. Uh, but to be praying for him in that situation, his family, and uh, and pray for all of our high schoolers that are getting ready to, to leave the nest, and parents as well. I've got uh, my daughter's getting ready to be a junior, and uh, well, I tell you what, I dread, dread that day. I beg my daughter, please, please don't leave me here alone with your mother, and uh, she... She she insists on going anyway, so uh, you know. So be praying for these families that are now going to rediscover a a different relationship altogether. So I'm just kidding. My wife's going to kill me when I get done speaking here. She's probably back there sharpening the Bowie knife as we speak. So if you turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter seven, we're going to look at verses one through three. So everybody, just a second there. Yeah, my wife, she said that uh, dad was up there speaking, and then she looked at me, and then she looked at my dad, she's like, said, you both look like woolly boogers up there. I said, you both look just alike. So, so I can't help that we're two good-looking guys. I just, you know, she just wanted to get used to it. Uh, Hebrews chapter 7, verses 1 through 3. Uh, For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, met Abraham, returning from the slaughter of the kings, and blessed him. And to him Abraham apportioned a tenth part of everything. He first by translation of his name, king of righteousness, and then he is also king of Salem. This is, that is, king of peace. He is without father or mother or genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but resembling the Son of God. He continues a priest forever. Let's go ahead and have another quick word of prayer, then we'll dive into this uh, teaching this evening. Therefore, Lord, we just thank you again and come before you and praise your holy name. Lord, I just pray that you will uh, fill this room with your spirit. And uh, Lord, I just pray that uh, this word will go out and it will touch hearts and minds and that it will be used for spiritual growth and learning and understanding. And Lord, uh, let us not hide your word in our heart, but let us go out and use your word proactively in explaining uh, your goodness, your peace, and your love to those who will listen. And Lord, uh, let us be equipped, let us be edified, and most importantly, let us be glorified. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Alright, so let's start looking into this here. And we see that this is here, for this Melchizedek king of Salem, priest of the Most High God met Abraham, returning from the slaughter of the kings, and blessed him. Now, uh, Melchizedek, uh, we see here, uh, is considered a type of Christ, and we're going to get into that here in just a minute uh, as to why uh, that symbolism is used. Now, understand that uh, the Jews uh, that was the writer of Hebrews was speaking to uh, would have, remember, while the New Testament being written, uh, what they had was the Old Testament to refer to. So they would immediately understood, obviously, who Abraham is, who Moses is, who Melchizedek. They would have bring, brought some understanding. And, you know, also, uh, because of the persecution, they were losing land, they were being persecuted in, in a major way, and uh, because uh, he's trying to reassure them, reaffirm with them, that despite 1,400 years of what uh, of sacrificial systems, uh, shedding of blood, all these different things that they were having to do, uh, dealing with with priests and such, uh, that there was a better way. Uh, he's trying to explain them because to them, 
uh, because of the persecution that they were having to deal with, it was been easy for them to be like, uh, you know, hey, just forget this. I'm going back to, uh, to Judaism. It'll be a whole lot easier, a whole lot safer. And so the writer of Hebrews is like, hey, hold on just a second here. You know, let's just chill out just a minute. And, uh, you know, let, let's let's look at this. You know, he, he's trying to explain them a better way. You know, if you go, you know, trying to understand, you know, say if you go to, you know, say if you were a missionary and we went to a different country and it was full of, um, well, say Islam took over. And it, you're talking about uh, hundreds of years, maybe thousands of years, who knows, you know, that has been seeped in uh, of uh, of of religious tradition, uh, it'd be very hard pressed to get through to these individuals that that have known generations uh, of Islam, trying to get through to them the things of Jesus Christ. Well, you kind of when you see it in that context, you kind of have to understand a little more what the writer of Hebrews uh, was trying to deal with, in the fact that they have been dealing with this for over fourteen hundred years, and he's trying to explain to them a better way. And so that's what he's trying to explain to them here. You know that you know that Melchizedek was a type of Christ, and so so that's why he's relating to the things that they would understand. So we see this first appearance here, Melchizedek. Uh, let's see, I think it's Genesis fourteen. Let me get over here. Give me just one second. Yes, if I remember correctly, it's Genesis fourteen. Um, yeah, 14, 18 through 20, Genesis 14, if you want to keep your finger there in Hebrews. But Genesis 14, uh, 18, uh, now understand, well, we're going to read 17 here, that way you'll understand. It said, after this return from defeat of uh, Kedor Lomer, Leomer, I guess I'm saying it right, and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom, went out to meet him at the valley of Sheba, that is the king's valley. So remember, uh, Lot had been taken captive by the four kings, and Abraham grabbed a bunch of his men. He rolled out. You know, you heard Dad talk about, uh, uh, and it makes a lot of sense. You know, he said he always thinks of uh, the Ponderosa and uh, thinks of uh, Haas and Little Joe and uh, their paw, and they uh, grabbed a bunch of men and they rolled out uh, and uh, uh, kicked some fanny and come back, and uh, that's more or less what happened. What his nephew had been. Uh, take captive. It's kind of like down south. You know, there's there's just certain things you don't do. You don't mess with somebody's dog, and you don't mess with somebody's woman. It ain't necessarily in that order. But, uh, you know, you, you definitely don't screw around with family. You know, that's that's one thing you don't do down south. You don't mess with somebody's family. Even if you don't like the family member, somebody, you know, you can talk trash about your family, but nobody else can talk trash about your family. And so that's one good way to pick a fight big time. Uh, for those who are um, uh, are transplanting from the northern territories to here in the south, just keep that in mind. That's a good way to uh, you find yourself in a world of hurt big time in, in a hurry. So it's like Dad said. He goes, I'd defend you if I knew you was wrong, you know. So it's just, uh, it's just the redneck part of us. But anyway, he goes out. Uh, the four keys to captive. He goes out there and whips her tail and comes on back. So that kind of gives you an idea of, of the context of, of what's going on at this uh, in this passage here, and it says, Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High, and he blessed him and said, "Blessed be Abram, uh, blessed be Abram, by God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, 
and blessed be God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And remember, this is Abram before he became Abraham, all right? It's kind of like Saul before he became Paul. So it's, sometimes when you uh, uh, read this, it, it's kind of like, you know, you're used to seeing Abraham. So sometimes it kind of, it's I call it like a little bit of a curveball. You're like, wait a minute, Abram, Abraham, what? <laughs> What's going on here? But anyway, uh, look at that. And so, um, so we're talking to Abram. Now, Melchizedek, you know, he kind of um, pops out of nowhere. You know, uh, he's not really mentioned uh, before now. It's the first mention of it. He kind of comes out of nowhere. Uh, and it says that he here, it talks about that, uh, uh, that he was the priest of the God Most High. Now, uh, he was um, uh, apparently, you know, some try to say uh, because of who he was. Now, he was both, you know, as we see here in Hebrews, we see that he is, it says in here in verse um, uh, 2, uh, it says that translation's name is, is Righteousness, and he is also King Salem, which is was also, or Shalom, uh, Peace, King of Peace. You know, that's it's very interesting that um, you couldn't be both King and you couldn't be both priests. You either had to be a priest or you had to be a king. You couldn't be both, but we see here that he's both king and priest. Now, some have tried to allude uh, to the to try to say that um, uh, we, that he was either a really strong angel or it was a um, uh, a, a pre uh, uh, incarnation of Christ. Uh, but both of those have been. Uh, Based on my readings, uh, I haven't uh, asked the great theologian Dr. Vic Young what he has thought, but uh, uh, that that it that it was generally a, a good man of God, as we see here, and that uh, interesting that he uh, that he resided between uh, Sodom and Canaan. So here he he was residing in between two uh, pretty bad evil places here. And uh, but it just goes to show that no matter where somebody's at, God can still call them up. God can still use these individuals. Uh, it doesn't matter where you're from, where you're at. You know, God can still uh, bring you up and use you in a very uh, mighty way. And so um, uh, that's that's one good thing. You know, and some people may say you know may feel like they're not good enough, but you know we see here that uh, God can use anybody in any matters of way. So. You know, again, he comes out of nowhere, and uh, and so we see here that he is a, uh, a priest of the God Most High, and he was both king and priest. And so, you know, and we, that's another thing too. We see here, uh, you know, we see that comparison as a type of Christ. Uh, you know, he says he brought out bread and wine. Now, the author here in uh, uh, Hebrews, he could have very easily uh, used that comparison, particularly with bread and wine. Uh, because, uh, you know, of course, obviously Jesus Christ used bread and wine, but he don't really, doesn't really seem to focus on the uh, obvious parallel there, but uh, kind of goes more into, um, uh, as to the uh, the priest and king situation. You know, and that's another thing, too, that, you know, you know, Christ, uh, we have a genealogy of Christ. Uh, that's one thing we see here with Melchizedek, that there wasn't a genealogy, which is very interesting, because you can't, you, it had to be. You had to become out of the genealogy of Levi, and you you had to have. In fact, if a priest wanted to marry, the, the, they put such basis on uh, on genealogy that if they wanted to marry, all right, the daughter of a priest had to show uh, providence or, or show uh, their lineage rather 
uh, from four generations. And if they wasn't a uh, daughter of a priest, they had to show that from five generations back. So it was very important that uh, the genealogy demonstrated uh, their ability to be, be a priest. You know, you had to have that inheritance, just as Jesus Christ didn't inherit the position of both priest and king, didn't inherit the position of Christ, but that he was that very thing, that he was God Almighty, that he was Jesus Christ. He was that very thing that we see and read here in God's Word. And so we see that here in Melchizedek, that uh, he didn't have a, 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 doesn't demonstrate any kind of genealogical uh, association. He just was. As, uh, so it's very interesting, just as Christ was uh, both man and God, that Jesus Christ was both priest and king, that, you know, that, um, uh, that, he, that he was the very thing uh, that uh, he was appointed to be, that, um, uh, that anthropomorphism of man, if you will. Uh, and so uh, that he fulfilled it. So remember that uh, priest, uh, you know, of course they, they lived and died, and uh, only certain ones could go into the, uh, go into the temple. But Jesus Christ, he was the, the end all of that. He is, he is both priest and king forever. You know, just like um, when uh, uh, to demonstrate the, uh, uh, the power and authority uh, of these priests, you know, you see, uh, of course, Moses when he was on, when he went up to the mountain and the thunder and lightning and, and the mist that arose. And if anybody even got close to that, they were cursed. If, uh, in fact, they would tie ropes around the priest's feet if they went in. Uh, with a sinful heart or what have you, man, if they took out near that ark, they would fall over dead. They'd have to pull them out by the rope. You had to, you could only enter in at certain points in time. You could only sacrifice once a year. I mean, there was all these things, but Jesus Christ came to end all that. There was no more. He gave, his, his very life was given. The blood was shed. His atonement, his substitutionary atonement was given to us for uh, uh, our sins and that no more uh, animal sacrifices was necessary. No longer was we held by those things uh, of Old Testament law. And that's what he's trying to get at here uh, in, these, in this passage in Hebrews. Now, you know, I think it's very interesting to, to understand that, yes, we're not held by Old Testament law. In fact, I had someone here ask me recently uh, in regards to uh, shellfish. And, uh, and so, and of course, the Jews are, are kosher. Brandy was asking me about kosher salt uh, the other day, what that was exactly. And, and um, uh, there are certain way things have to be prepared in order for, for the Jews to, to eat that. Of course, they don't eat pork. But, um, you know, when you look at, um, uh, was it Leviticus 9, I want to say. Don't hold me to that. I have to go back and look. But where it's talking about um, uh, shellfish. And such. You know, there's, there's several things. Of course, there was one. The way they were doing it uh, was uh, in comparison to that uh, of the pagans, and, and what they were the whole uh, the very passage that what that is involved in was because uh, the children of Israel were, were chasing after uh, pagan practices. The other thing is where they wasn't preparing it correctly, and it could have killed them. But then you look in the New Testament, and you see that uh, you know uh, uh, Peter is told, you know, don't be don't call anything unclean that I've called clean, and so. Um, uh, it, it's no longer considered bad or wrong or unbiblical uh, to eat shellfish. Now, I can't eat shellfish, not because of religious reasons, but because I'm highly allergic, and if I eat it, I will die. And so uh, it's very interesting. My wife eats a lot of shellfish and then wants to kiss me. I don't know. But I'm kidding. But anyway, um, so, you know, obviously it's not unbiblical or wrong to eat pork or to, or to uh, eat, you know, do those things. So 
so obviously we wouldn't be bound by that type of Old Testament rituals. Now, um, or of course, animal sacrificial uh, systems. However, we are still bound by uh, what is known as the moral law. Of course, Dad was talking about this morning about the teleological, the ontological, the cosmological. Uh, he's talking about the moral law in, in regards to uh, that defense, uh, the, the apologetics in, in regards to uh, uh, how we know that God exists. And uh, he did a great, uh, great message. He's just saying that because he's my dad. He did a great message this morning. And loved his, I don't know how many y'all got to hear him sing. He, he wrote that second song, by the way, in case y'all didn't know that. So he, he does, a, does an awesome job. But uh, uh, So we are still held, obviously, by the moral law. Those things like we see in the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not kill or, uh, or, uh, or murder, rather. Um, and uh, I make that a point. Uh, because, well, I'll get that another time. Anyway, murder or commit adultery or uh, uh, any of those things. Obviously, those things that we know. That, the, that is generally known throughout uh, the world that we know is wrong. You know, just, even if you're not a born-again, Bible-believing Christian, you know that you're not, you're not supposed to murder anybody. You know you're not supposed to commit adultery. You know you're not supposed to lie. You shouldn't covet war. Do we get that from? Obviously, we get these things from uh, the moral law. So we are still bound to that sense uh, of Old Testament law. But, of course, Jesus Christ comes to set us free from those things. And so, now, when we look here, uh, I think it's very important. Like we said uh, in verse 3 here, it says that, and we'll come back up to verse 2, but I, I want to point out something here. Uh, where it says the translation of his name is the king of righteousness, and then he is also king of Salem, that is the king of peace. He's both, uh, you can't have peace without righteousness, all right? You can't have righteousness without peace. Righteousness has to come first. And then peace comes. So I hope that makes sense there. You know, and it's very interesting, you know, that we see that Jesus Christ, he is the uh, the king of peace. Uh, he is the king of righteousness. We see that parallel, uh, again, with Melchizedek uh, in that sense as well. And um, But it's only through God's peace uh, can we deal uh, with things of this world, the things that we deal with, the things that we have to face, whether we, it is physical mental, spiritual, emotional, dealing with loss. It is only God's peace, uh, Jesus Christ, through His, uh, to understand His love, His joy, His understanding, can we have true long-lasting peace. Now, there is uh, those who choose to have escape. And um, when I talk about escape, you know, sometimes we can, um, you know, when trying to have peace in our lives with dealing with things, it's easy to want to escape, escapism. And uh, to have, I don't know, you know, maybe you're stressed out, maybe you're um, dealing with a lot, you know, and you want to go see a movie, or you want to, uh, uh, you know, just maybe you have a hobby, and you, you like to do something like that. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. Uh, but if you are looking at, uh, if you're, you're dabbling around with addictive behaviors, if you're not able to distinguish between reality and uh, fantasy, then that's when that becomes a problem. That's when escapism becomes unbiblical, becomes a problem. And uh, I have I have some uh, experience with that. Uh, I really do. Um, I, uh, as I told you all before, I was bullied a lot as a kid, uh, particularly uh, when they found out my grandmother's Japanese. They made my my life a uh, living, you know what. And of course, I was a bit of a portly child, and uh, they uh, they loved to torment me about that as well. And uh, so I was in a lot of fights, and, and it, it was miserable. I mean, it was it was beyond miserable. In fact, uh, 
My dad took me to school every morning. I'd get so nauseated. I, I couldn't. I keep putting the words. How sick to my stomach I'd get. I hated it. I hate. I knew because I knew what the day was going to be like. It, it just, it just miserable. And so, my problem was my form of escape. Of course, you know, you, you, I still have a toy collection, and uh, but uh, my escape were movies and fantasy and toys and things like that. That's that that was my way to escape. In fact, even in adulthood, that to to deal with stress and problems is uh, is I'd go to the movies and just you know immerse myself into that fantasy and not want to think. Well, there's my problem was particularly uh, as a teenager as such. Uh, I was, um, it's not that I was psychotic in the fact I couldn't distinguish between reality and fantasy, but um, I just had a, a delusions of grandeur, if you will, and, and was not uh, rooted uh, in, in reality and the fact that I wasn't following after the Lord, seeking after the Lord's peace, and, uh, and it really screwed up my life, I'll be honest with you, as far as uh, uh, behaviors and dating and uh, friendships and career, and it just... Uh, uh, skewed a lot of things because I was more interested in a, in a, in a world that wasn't real than uh, in reality. So there was a danger there. Now, you know, of course, you talk to people, you know, well, you can't talk to him, he's dead, but that's what I say, talk to people like C.S. Lewis, obviously, you know, again, in everything in, in its proper perspective, there's nothing wrong with, with having uh, that imagination, there's nothing wrong with having uh, that, that idea of fantasy. In fact, I've told my kids, I said, man, you know, don't, you know, use your imagination. You know, there's nothing wrong with that, you know, and uh, uh, and, and, and uh, be creative. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, there's that escapism uh, that is known by. There is uh, uh, those who evade uh, when it comes to uh, dealing with problems and dealing with stress. They, they try to evade it. They try to avoid uh, what is going on and because uh, they don't want to have to deal with that. And it's going to come out eventually one way or another uh, when you try to... Uh, uh, evade the problem at hand. Uh, it's going to stretch out. It's going to cause trouble. Just like if you try to compromise. There's people out there uh, that um, still have, uh, have, have dealing with the problem head on. Uh, they try to just make a compromise. And, and still they, instead of uh, uh, still truly dealing with that problem, they um, uh, try to, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? My mind's went blank on me here. Uh, I don't know. Uh, put it in the back of their head, or just try to um, uh, push it down, alright, they, they say, well, that's whatever kind of attitude, they just kind of suppress it, push it down, uh, eventually that stress will come out somewhere, it's either going to come out in anger, it's going to come out in an addictive behavior, it's going to come out uh, in, in uh, uh, stress, heart-related, health issues, it's going to come out somewhere, some shape, form, or fashion. The problem with escapism is that no matter where you're at, you have to come back to reality at some point. You know, you can go to a movie, you can lose yourself in that movie for a couple hours, and uh, you may have a, um, a small momentary feeling of peace, but eventually you have to come back to reality. See, and that's just like, um, uh, there was a story I read in uh, Scotland, in Edinburgh, and there was a place uh, called the Pans. It was like really, really bad slum-like place. It said there was a woman there that uh, would go around and more or less pander until she got some money from some friends once a month and uh, they would find her in a bar drunk as a skunk and, and when they would uh, confront her about it 
she said that uh, so how dare you uh, you know so would you would you blame me for trying to leave the pans for a few hours you know and that, that was her way of escape that's what a lot of people deal with when they self-medicate with alcohol or drugs is their way of escape you know but eventually you have to come back to reality you're not going to find peace you know and, that, and we look at look at Jesus Christ when he was about to deal with the um, the fact that he was about to die on the cross and uh, what he knew what he was going to face he knew the torture he was going to endure he knew the pain he was going to face he, he sweated drops of blood uh, in prayer to God but what did he say thy will be done and that's why he found God's peace that's why we had to find God's peace thy will be done you know I think that's our problem is that we don't seek out God's will for our lives but uh, we want to want to bend God's will to our own, and that's why we are miserable people because we're not willing to uh, wait on God. We're, we, we, you know, we're, instead of praying, "Your will be done, God. Your work be done. Let us trust in you." We just try to do things on our own, and we so in this, instead of facing the reality uh, of tragedy, what it is we have to deal with, we want to escape away. You know, in, in reading in, in escapism. Something that I read, uh, I never really thought about before. It's called escapism theology. I wasn't uh, I never, until I was doing the study. I never really thought about this. Uh, as far as what I read, now I haven't got into any real depth study in it. Uh, no, I, what I what I read didn't seem heretical. But again, I like to do some more in depth study in it. Maybe do a more detailed teaching in escapism theology and get Dad's uh, take on it as well. But, uh, but basically what I'm understanding now in uh, escapism of theology is that, um, and they even reference Billy Graham, which is, is true. There's nothing, even they said this, there's nothing, what, what is being said is, is true. There's, no, there's no, no, no wrong in it whatsoever. It's the fact that, like what Billy Graham said, you know, the, the, you know he's just passing through this world, going into uh, to the next world. And... Um, fix my camera here it's getting the sun setting it's making it real bright on the website here but um, he's talking about um, the fact that um, uh, sometimes all thing that uh, people focus on is the world to come which is nothing wrong with that we do need to focus on that we do need to focus on the fact that you know we are not going to be in this world forever that you know we will spend an eternity in heaven and when we get to heaven there will be no more suffering there will be no more sorrow there will be no more struggles there will be no more loss there will be none of none of this stuff we have to deal with you know yes we get to we can look forward to that we get to we should be excited uh, about that 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 future uh, that we're going to inherit that, that inheritance uh, for those who are safe those who understand uh, uh, Jesus Christ our personal Lord and Savior uh, there's, so we have that to look forward to, but some, sometimes what, what I was reading here, what I understand in escapism theology, is that um, that if that is all you're focusing on, see, that, that can uh, be a problem in the sense uh, that remember that we are still have a purpose in this world. We still have a, a, a reason God has us here. And it's, even though that we are, yes, strangers in a strange land, we are aliens, we are not of this world, uh, and we are in the world, we're not part of the world. Yes, all that is true. All that is true. But I think some people look so are only focused on what is to come, they forget the fact that they are to engage in the world as well. And my point is that we are to uh, be, we are to engage, we are to talk to other people about Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. It is our responsibility 
to go out. And, you know, I, you know, some people, all they want to do is go to church, be fed, and go home. But we are not only to, to be fed, we have to go out and feed. We have to go out and tell other people about Jesus Christ. We have to go out and tell other people about God's love. We, uh, we have a responsibility to go out and tell other people about heaven and hell and, you know, and, and redemption and Christ's glory and his substitutionary atonement on the cross, his resurrection. We have a responsibility to get out and do those things. And I think some people lack that engagement in the world because all they're focused on is the world to come, which again, it's not that that's wrong. It's nothing that, that that's, it, 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 we should be uh, looking forward to that, but don't, don't neglect your responsibility here again on this earth. Uh, because again, you know, uh, we have to not be trying to escape from anything. We need to make sure we're taking responsibility for those things that God has called us to do. And, uh, you know, it's one thing I worry about my daughter. She's out driving. You know, I, I worry about my son too. But um, you know, it's just I guess it's just different with little girls. And I just you know I want people's tensions are way up here right now. You know, I, they're they're tired. Of, they're fed up with government. They're fed up with being told what to do. They're fed up with staying home. They're fed up with traffic. They're just they're lost jobs. They've lost businesses. And man, the emotions and is is high. And, I, you know, it's just like I told you all here just what, a week or two ago, right up here in Bristol, uh, Tennessee, two guys got into a uh, uh, road rage incident. They got out, got the gun to gun and blowed him away, you know. And so I told my daughter, I said, listen, if you accidentally pull out in front of somebody, they're getting hot and heavy, just find a safe place, pull over, and go on. I said, and let them go on. I said, if they don't, and they're trying to, I said, call 911 and, uh, and, you know, don't engage with them at all whatsoever. I was like, you be careful going to work, coming that way from work, going, you know. It, it worries me because, I, as you all know, the world is going to hell in a hip basket. I mean, it's, it has gone mad, you know. So I worry about my kids. And so, and, so they, and, and, and I think as a result, so many people, when they do go out, when they do get around other people, their, their emotions are, you know, if you're like me, uh, I guess it may be uh, part redneck, <laughs> part that I, 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 I can really feel, I can empathize uh, with what's going on around me. And you can just feel that, that tension. You can just feel what's going on. And so when you go into, say, a Walmart, of course, I haven't been to one since all this happened. I've, I've been a bit locked up here. Randy keeps me in my bubble here at home. But, um, uh, but when I go to a Walmart, you can just feel tension you know you just feel anxiety you just like you know next person looks at me i'm gonna you know next next person that waddles in front of me don't move out of my way i will you know you just you just feel it you know you just you just feel the anger so the last thing you want to do driving or going to walmart whatever is engage with the world and tell them about the love of jesus christ but see distractions you know i think that's what the, what the devil uses to distract us to keep us from engaging into the world. And so that's why we have to calm down. You know, it's one thing Dad used to tell me, and probably still does, <laughs> when I'm being a bit irrational, he calls me a drama queen. <laughs> and, uh, being irrational, you know, he's always bad about taking that finger and snapping, cool it, cool it. You know, if I always had a dollar every time I got that, if I got to be a rich man. But anyway, uh, when you're driving or you're going into a Walmart or wherever, cool it, calm down, all right? Take a deep breath, let it out slow, chill out, and just, you know what, say a little prayer before you get out, and say, Lord, don't let these people get to me today, direct me to somebody I could witness to, 
Show me somebody that I can tell Jesus to. To, you know, and, and, and pray for that. Search that. Instead of focusing on the anger, the anxiety, you know what you're doing? You're getting God's peace. You're getting God's joy. You're getting God's presence. See, that's God's presence. That's God's peace. All right? God, your will be done, God. When you have God's peace, ah, guess what? You can breathe. You can calm down. And you can be rational and focus on the job at hand. See, it all goes back to the old devil, buddy. He wants to, he's that master of distraction. He wants to uh, deter you from what you're called to do. That's why you have to, oh, calm down. Lord, help me. And just go in there and seek that out. You know, I don't know why I was saying that when I was talking about seeking somebody out. I'll never forget I was with Dad one time. It is at Christmas time. And uh, he had some extra money for whatever reason. And, uh, and the Lord laid on his heart to give to somebody in need. And um, I remember he was praying, God, send me the right person. And I'll never forget that. I remember it was at Big Lots in Johnson City. And uh, he was walking around. He was praying. And he, he, um, he a couple caught his eye. And uh, they uh, had a little child with them. And uh, they had picked up. Uh, I remember standing in the aisle. I remember seeing it. Uh, and they, uh, they picked up uh, some things. And she shook her head. And she put it back. And Dad saw that. And he went up to them, and he said, Lord, uh, let it so my heart to give this to you. And the look on their faces of, uh, of shock and appreciation, I, I will never forget that. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, that's one thing about my dad. You know, I know I brag on him a lot. There's a lot of preacher's kids out there. They were crazier and wilder than bucks. And like Dad said, they just learned it from the deacon's kids. <laughs> but, uh, um, but the reason why they were like that, is because her dad's acted one way, <clears throat> one way at home, and then one way at the pulpit. And my dad uh, was never different, uh, whether behind the pulpit at home. He always tried to serve the Lord. He always tried to live what he preached. And I think that's one of the we have to do as Christians, to be doers of the word and not hearers only. And uh, sometimes we have to seek that out. Sometimes we have to seek God out. And seek out his perfect will uh, for what he wants us to do. And by doing so, we will have his peace. Now, you can try to escape into the things of this world. You can try to compromise. You can try to evade. You can try to do all these things. But it's only through God's peace are you going to truly be satisfied. It's only through God's peace can you have that calming effect. You know, um, that's one thing, you know, dealing with death. You know, just like I was talking to Darlene the other night. You know, the only way, all thing, you know, Obviously, if somebody's upset, it, um, uh, it's hard to really uh, talk to someone as a pastor. You know, you, you want to try to help as much as you can. But all day, if I can get through anything, it's just to give it to the Lord. You don't have to be cliche, not to, uh, to, to do Christianese, if you will, but to, to understand God's peace. Not that it's, you know, I, I think some people, as I was telling her, I think some people feel guilty if they're upset because they're like, oh, I shouldn't be sad, I shouldn't be crying because I know where they're at, you know? And, but, hey, you know, Jesus wept, and he knew these were raised Lazarus from the dead, you know. But it is, um, we, but we have a kind of peace the world doesn't understand. We have a kind of peace that we can't explain. That when we're dealing with suffering, we're dealing with loss, there's a peace there. Even though we were upset, even though we missed that person, uh, it's not to minimize pain. We still have that peace. And where does that peace come from? It comes from God. 
And so see, that's a wonderful thing here. So when we see that here, the King of Peace, that directly relates to Jesus Christ, who is the King of Peace, the King of Righteousness, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He is also both King and Priest, as we see here in Melchizedek. And so as we see here, now, here's another thing interesting. I want to back up just a little bit, and I told you we'd come back to this in verse 2. Uh, and it says, and to him, uh, Abraham, a portion, a tenth, part of everything. All right? Because, you know, you know, and we don't, you know, there was, um, let's see here. Um, I don't want to say Tozer, that ain't right. Um, oh, my mind's went blank. The theologian, my mind's went blank. Anyway. He's trying to say that tithing predated Abraham, but uh, from what this was saying, uh, this is probably the first time, uh, we're, well, I would understand that it would be predated Abraham because uh, you see it's not so much giving a, a tenth per se, but we see that with uh, Cain and Abel, uh, that Abel was giving a, a, a portion uh, to God that was pleasing to God. And uh, so you know, we see here that Abraham was given a tenth uh, of everything that he, all the spoils, everything that he had gathered. You remember, he, you know, we were just talking about how he, uh, where he rescued uh, Lot from the four kings, a tenth of all those spoils to Melchizedek. And, you know, we look at tithing, uh, you know, and, and like I said, this is, it's a very uncomfortable topic for me when it comes to tithing. I don't like it. And, and the reason why I don't like it, yes, it's biblical. That's what we're supposed to do. The reason why I don't like it is because you've got, because there's been so many uh, televangelists and pastors out there that that's all they care about. All they care about is money. And it is, it is a, it left a very bad taste in the mouths of a lot of Christians out there, and or non-Christians. So the minute you start bringing up tithing, here we go. That's why people think, here we go. They're, they're grabbing hold of that wallet, you know. <laughs> You won't get this unless you pry it out of my cold dead hands, you know, kind of attitude. That's why I hate bringing it up, because they think, well, you know, uh, the, you're, you're after the wallet. But the thing that is, all right, everything is God's, all right? You know, there's times, you know, we're, Brady and I are just like everybody else. We live paycheck to paycheck. A lot of it is my own fault. I'll be honest with you. I'm, I've not been a good steward of the money that God has blessed us with, as I should have been, and, um, and, and kind of got us into some... Uh, some financial uh, troubles, you know, I'm not happy about, but hey, God provides and we're able to pay our bills, but we do live paycheck to paycheck. And, um, you know, for many years, uh, it, was, it was easy to say, gosh, I can't afford to, to tithe. You know, I got this, got that. And, buddy, I tell you what, it just seemed like it was in worse shape than ever when we didn't tithe. And finally, there, there was a time in our lives when things really went, I mean, south in a hurry. And uh, we sold, I sold cars, guns, I sold everything to try to get us out of uh, uh, the financial mess we had got ourselves in. And I was determined at that point in time, you know what, I'm giving God his. It's not, you're not paying God off. God's not like uh, the Godfather, and if you don't pay him off, he's going to send angels to break your legs. It's not like that, all right? It's a fact that we're showing obedience. We're understanding that everything is God's. Everything is his. So we're showing obedience in that we're giving a, a, a tenth, at least, minimum, to God. And so I was determined that no matter what, I don't care what gets paid, what doesn't get paid, I don't care I'm living on underneath a bridge, I'm going to make sure that God gets his. And every time, you know, the old devil wants to say, gosh, you know, uh, you know, 
can you afford you know to tie when I start hearing that, that disgusting whisper it is disgusting to me because it's God's and that's what I tell myself uh, is you know what this is God's money it's his so I'm giving God's what is his and he's providing for me he's giving to my family so every month when I when I pay the mortgage or the in the power I tell Brady say hey you got a house for one more month you know I tell that I tell that every month you got a house for one more month you got to let power for one more month uh, unless, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, well, the power, hopefully, because um, the reason why I say that was I was trying to put in some sheetrock the other day, and I was trying to get around an electrical outlet, and uh, when I was trying to twist it around to get it through the uh, sheetrock, somehow, I don't know what I hit, all of a sudden a spark flew, there was a loud pop, I'm just, oh, I praise God I didn't electrocute myself, so if I had of dad, if I had electrocuted myself, dad would have killed me, so, <laughs> anyway. So, uh, so we see that here, uh, giving that uh, that tenth uh, to uh, to God. So now, let me see here. Um, uh, let's see. We read verse two. Abraham portion tenth of everything. He is first by translation of his name, King of Righteous, and then he is also King of Salem. <coughs> Excuse me, and that is King of Peace. He is without father or mother or genealogy. Now, again, we're talking about genealogy. Now, it's very interesting here. Uh, you know, again, uh, to be priest, you had to order, uh, you had to be under a certain genealogical line. And uh, the, uh, the the verbiage uh, or the word here, uh, the words that are used here in the Greek in regards to father and mother, um, uh, I'm trying to think here, what it was in Greek, reminds, uh, went blank on me now, oh, it, um, I remember since I get done tonight. But anyway, more or less saying that uh, that is the, 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 the Greek that is used here is more or less talking about an illegitimate uh, son or daughter. It's what uh, it's talking about here. When it's talking about the genealogy having either uh, father or mother or genealogy. In other words, being illegitimate. Uh, there, there is no um, uh, lot lineage uh, here to prove uh, Melchizedek uh, being able to be a priest. Uh, more or less what that's getting at. Uh, and then having neither of days nor end of life, but resembling the Son of God, he continues priest forever. <coughs> of course, obviously, you know, we see that Jesus Christ is priest forever, obviously, because he's both God and man. But the the the, the understanding, the comparison with Melchizedek and Jesus uh, was the fact that uh, uh, that we see with Melchizedek, there was no beginning or no ending. No, it's not saying that, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry, I got some dry place in my throat here, sorry, uh, that there was no beginning or no end um, with, with Melchizedek, and the fact that it doesn't say when he was born or when he died. Obviously, uh, it, he was man, he was born, and he did die, but uh, in the understanding in both uh, uh, Genesis 14 and I think it's Psalm 110.5, I want to say, uh, in regards to Melchizedek, it doesn't say anything about his uh, birth or burial. And so, as, as with Jesus Christ, or also we understand uh, his earthly origin, uh, but uh, we know that he lives uh, forever. He lives eternally with Jesus Christ. We know that he not only died on the cross, he rose again on third grade. Uh, third, third grade. He rose on the third grade. <laughs> he rose on the third day, and, uh, and then uh, he ascended uh, into heaven. So... Uh, sorry, there's um, got a bicycle just went by, and so my dogs decided to, to start barking there. But uh, but anyway, um, so that's why we see that comparison with Melchizedek, uh, with Jesus Christ, the forerunner. Uh, sorry, uh, reading the wrong verse here. 
uh, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but resembling the Son of God, that he continues to preach forever. Now, it seemed like, let's see here. Yeah, now, one thing I guess I should have said at the very beginning, when we see, this is actually a continuation of um, Hebrews 5.10, uh, where it's talking about being designated by, uh, by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. So we see that in 5.10, this is actually, we talk about the priestly order of Melchizedek. It's kind of, uh, of, of um, uh, bringing that back around to that. Now, uh, let's see here. There's still there was something else I was wanting to read here uh, in regards to this. Uh, let's see. I think it was Ephesians. We was, was talking about peace a minute ago. I wanted to say, hold on here. There's a verse I meant to read. I got, got to talking. I forgot. Let's see. Um, hold on here. Hmm. I want to say Ephesians 2. I'm trying to think here. Yeah, for Ephesians 2, in regards to uh, peace, I just want to back this up because we were talking about uh, Melchizedek, uh, meaning peace, but uh, Ephesians 2 was talking about in the comparison to Christ, uh, you know, where Melchizedek is a type of Christ. Ephesians 2 14, uh, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh, dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments, expressing ordinances, that he might create in himself a new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God but in body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off at peace for those who were near. So I thought that was relevant. That's something that needed to be read uh, in regards to um, that discussion on peace. Now, uh, also, we're talking about uh, the king of righteousness. We also have Jesus Christ. Let's see, I think it's in John 2, 1. Uh, let me get over here just real quick. Um, two, one, let's see, no, maybe I'm thinking of 1st John 2, 1, hold on here, First John, 1st John 2, yeah, it's 1st John 2, 1, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have the advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. So we see that there as well. And so um, I'm trying to think if there's something else I need to hit on right there. But uh, that was Psalm 110.4. I said 5 to 110.4 uh, in regards to um, uh, Melchizedek. So we see that how Melchizedek is that type of Christ in righteousness and peace. Uh, both king and priest, uh, and so you know, we in the genealogies, uh, given that how Abraham gave that tenth of that portion. So we see that that how Melchizedek is that type of Christ. Because remember, all right, that the Old Testament was pointing towards Jesus Christ. You know, we, we some people ask, well, how were people you know, you know that were in the Old Testament know about Jesus, uh, and uh, and he didn't exist then? Well, remember, they looked forward to the cross just as we look backwards to the cross. So that's why they were pointing uh, towards uh, Jesus Christ uh, through that type in Michael's day. That's why those, uh, you know, because uh, in order for Jesus to reveal himself, uh, we have to be intimate with him. We have to be close uh, to Christ. And, uh, you know, see, that was the problem here 
in this whole situation. Remember, they were dull in hearing. They would become lazy. They become apathetic. Become complacent. And so they needed to understand why they didn't need to go back to Judaism, why they needed Jesus Christ. So he had to use words and understanding uh, things that they would know, like Melchizedek and Abraham and Moses, Old Testament law, to understand those things so he could point them back towards the things of Jesus Christ, so he could reveal those things of God to them, or reveal those things of Christ to them. And uh, so that's one thing we have to be sure, that we don't become that dull of hearing. We have to be sure that we become lazy. We don't become complacent, that we're on fire truly for Jesus Christ. We're on fire for the things of God. And that we have that understanding. We have that intimacy. We have that, 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 that daily walk with God each and every day. I walk with Him. I talk with Him. You know, we have to be able to do that. So be careful. Don't be dull in hearing as these people were. And, that, um, and, and, and be tempted to turn back to the things of the world, that we want to stay on fire for the things of God, we want to stay on fire uh, for those things of Jesus Christ, and that we increase our learning, increase our understanding, increase our, our, our to spiritual maturity. Let's not us re, let us not regress, but progress into the things of Christ. And, uh, you know, and I think if we do that, uh, man, what mighty men and women of God that we can be. Let's have a word of prayer. Dear Father, Lord, we just thank you, love you, and praise you. Uh, Lord, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Lord, help us in our daily walk. Help us, Lord Jesus, to not be tempted to enter into that escapist uh, attitude and thinking. Uh, Lord, let us seek out your peace, your will, your righteousness. Let us not be dull or complacent, but let us be on fire and true to you in all things and all situations. Lord, if there's anyone watching this this evening that doesn't know you, let him pray this prayer. Dear God, forgive me of all my sins. Jesus, I know you died on the cross for me. I know you rose from the grave for me. Come into my heart and save me. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Lord, be with us. Lead God and watch will protect us. We meet again. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I thank you all for watching. Hope everybody has a great, fabulous, and wonderful and blessed week this week. And uh, Lord willing, we'll meet again Wednesday evening at 7 o'clock. Thanks for watching.